Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hi, this is James Carancio. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Good day. Welcome. <laughs> what? <laughs> what were you going to say? Good eve. Good eve. We're not quite there yet, but we're almost. We're almost. <laughs> Welcome to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alon. My name is Allison. We are sans Jimmy today, but uh, I'm grateful to have the lovely Miss Goodman chiming in with us via the phone from uh, what I would hope is beautiful New Orleans. It's n- not really that uh, this week here in New York. I'm sure it's not. I mean, here it's uh, we're in the we're in the 50s though, so it's a little cool. But mm. It's beautiful. How have you been getting acclimated now? You've been there for uh, a month. Yeah, um, I have my room set up for the most part. Mm. Um, I still have to put like I have everything in place, but pictures are like you know on the floor. I'm figuring out where to put them on the walls. I have two jobs, and I just did my first open mic last night. Tell me, how was that open mic? That's amazing. Oh, it was awesome. So 30 people showed up. Amazing. I was number 27. Wow. 30. So a good solid 60 people in the room. Do you remember, what was the name of the place? 12 Mile Limit. So I um, totally geeked out and wrote down every single open mic with the time, the day, the bar it's at, the title of the open mic, and the name of the host. Beautiful. In my little notebook, so uh, yesterday was day one. Well, look, I'm looking forward to hearing about more days. Look, listener, if you're enjoying the show, previous episodes of weeks past, by all means, uh, we look forward to giving you just as good of an episode this week. And don't forget that Radio Free Brooklyn is on Patreon. We have a page that you can go to. If you just hit up radiofreebrooklyn.org slash pledge, you can give a dollar any amount of money, $5, really any amount of money, $25. No, I'm serious. Like, really, just any amount of money. No, maybe really. like 60 would be good. Yeah. Because, um, you know, this is, this is the arts. We're a not-for-profit organization, and all of your contributions will be tax-deductible. And it's for a good cause because, you know, we're putting this out here. We don't have any binds to tie us down. It's cool to be able to put something out like a free-form radio show. Uh, into the ether. Who knows what will happen? So by all means, go to that website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash pledge, or... Ooh, you could go to <laughs> RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR if you want to personally uh, donate to us so that we can drink fresh-squeezed orange juice. You know, it's the good stuff. That's that good <laughs> stuff right there. Yeah, be a, be a, be a backer. Be a, be a sponsor, if you will. For our show specifically, so that we know that we've got the super fans that exist out there of this rabble—not rabble rousing. That's more of a—that's more of a throwing chairs thing. No, more of a of a refreshing look on the audio of old. That is what we are here to accomplish. Listen to the sounds of our youth and accomplish what I would hope will be connecting the dots between then and now, as we've always have tried to do, and hopefully continue to succeed in doing. Success! Okay, well, with all the success that we could certainly uh, tout for today, let's not delay any further. Shall we uh, Shall we get our guest on, yeah? We shall. Let's do it. Hello, 
guest is a talented singer-songwriter who you likely have seen playing all around the city. Hailing originally from Carmel, New York, James Carancio is the name and face behind Man Made Hills. You might have seen him at East Village Social, where he had a weekly Monday night residency for a little over a year. And now, Man Made Hills has a debut album, which you can download on Bandcamp. It's called Aimless Wind. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you. Aimless Hello. Wind. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Aimless Wind. Tell us how that name came about. How did Man Made Hills come about? I was playing under uh, the name Lady Nashville and the Nightmares. I started when I was like 21, 22, so like 10 years ago. And I, I just I really liked that band name. And then recently, I kind of just got tired of it and just wanted a fresh start. I'm no longer playing with the guitarist that was with me for the past like two, three years. And it just felt like a really good shedding of the skin. Yeah. And, uh, it was also the band name came from one of Andrew Jackson's horses. Hmm. And I like Andrew Jackson as a history figure. Mm-hmm. Like, I find him very interesting. But he's also an asshole. A complete and utter asshole. So, like, I have an Andrew Jackson tattoo that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about getting covered up as a Mrs. Doubtfire tattoo. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, how would you do that? Uh, I'm curious what the, with, how did the details of covering up a tattoo that meant something to you. And then you say, well, if I'm going to cover it up. I got covered up with something really really legit mrs doubtfire means almost nothing to me mrs doubtfire <laughs> means nothing to you <laughs> almost not it's a it's a good movie and i just saw the house that it was filmed at like a couple weeks ago it was in, in san francisco yeah i was gonna say yeah, wow it was awesome um they had like a tour of the house no no i just broke in um no um i was gonna no, say I, that'd we, be awesome we, we just saw from the outside if you, know, you if you pictures if you broke into the full house house uh, from the back end and you were like doobie doobie Oh, no one's here. Okay. And Uncle Jesse still lives there. Of course he does. Yeah, you know that. Um, yeah, he's actually the butler there now. Um, yeah, yeah uh, we couldn't find the full house house. Yeah. There's so many houses on those sloping, majestic hills. Yeah. I love that city. So wait, you were out there recently. You were playing out there? I played a couple shows. Me and my girlfriend went for vacation. And since we were out there, I just reached out to a couple bars and got a couple shows. How often do cool. you play outside the city? I'm trying to more and more now that I have a record out. It's going to hopefully be a lot easier because if I'm reaching out to a bar, say, in like Beacon, New York, is a recent out-of-town show that I played, I didn't have anything to show them other than some like old demos and like YouTube videos of me and a yeah. singer that I don't play with anymore. When you were with your original when uh, it was, collaborator, did you guys travel around more? Or was that, or, no. or maybe it was because of that that no. you, was, you were being held back? Yeah, now that I'm playing more solo... Um, I feel like it's just so much easier. I don't have to depend on anyone. I don't have to, you know, make sure that anyone has to be there on time. Like, I, it's huh. it's just so much more advantageous to just be playing as a solo act, more or less. I, I actually just started jamming with a bass player like two weeks ago. Yeah. So, hopefully that works. I just thought of your demo video being like, it's <laughs> really stupid, because you start working with you were working with, where someone made a demo video where it's just like they've just completely blurred out the other person. That they no longer play with. Right, they didn't like, agree to be on camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're like, I no longer play with this person, so if you could just pretend they don't exist. Yeah. I wonder uh, how they get the people, it. like, on cops to sign those waivers. Like, yeah, like, remember when we busted you for crack around, like, Route 35? I mean, We're going to air that. Is that right? cool with you? And the guy's like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, everyone else, like, my family knows, <laughs> my my job knows, like, I guess. Get a release form yeah, for, like, even the dog. What's the harm? Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, just a little paw print to sign it. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. Yeah. And it also has to be in Florida because that's the only place that cops to possibly exist. <laughs> I was chatting with my wife about this recently. I'm trying to like wrap my head around if the crazy people move to Florida or they already just have lived there. And it's the normal people who come to Florida and are trying to make it less crazy. I think, yeah, I don't know. There was a report. Combo. Yeah, there was a report yesterday about somebody who got in Miami who was uh, involved in a hit and run. And the car that oh. was involved in the hit and run got stuck in traffic. Yeah. So everybody just like started like taking sledgehammers and dismantling this car. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a hit and run once. I was uh, outside this diner. This girl comes. She pulls her car in. She almost hits me and a friend who were kind of standing like adjacent to the the parking lot. And we kind of just give her a look, like, "Hey, what? You know, you almost hit us." And she totally dismisses us. And then she, on the way out. She pulls out again. She slams into the car that's parked next to her and then takes off. And then she makes a right-hand turn around the building and then hit a bicyclist as oh, she was trying no. to flee. Like, everyone Holy was fine because it, it, was, it was only within, like, you know, maybe, like, 20, 30 yards that she had gotten. Yikes. Did she hit the bicyclist? Yes, yeah, she, <laughs> she had to. Because <laughs> at that point she had to. She was like, all right, fine, you got me. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I want to roll it back, actually, uh, to Beacon, which you had mentioned. That I thought that was really intriguing because you're from Carmel. You and yeah. I uh, are both from upstate New York. Yeah. And playing in Beacon, which is just around the corner from Carmel. Carmel's in uh, Putnam County, but, right? Yeah, Putnam County. The Duchess and Putnam County is right next you, to each other. You were basically right yeah. in your backyard. You can, if you can only listen to one Saves the Day album from A to B, it's pretty close. Fair point. Yeah. Was uh, that your first time playing solo in your home area since this new iteration has come? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How'd that feel? It was great. The whole room was pretty much just family and friends. Like this dude, Zach, showed up who I, I met him when he was like 14 back in, when I was like in a grindcore band. I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. This dude, Brian, from my high school showed up. Two of my aunts showed up. My mom was there. Mm. She, she only took, I think, like four or five cigarette breaks during my set. <laughs> so that was cool. She, she stuck around for the most part. A couple of my very good friends live up there, so... I got a place to stay for free. Was there anybody there that you didn't know that came up to you after the show? Uh, yeah, two or three people were at a table, and they afterwards just came up and said thanks for the music. What does it feel like, depending on what the room is like, when you're getting accolades from people you don't know versus that of whom you do? I believe the people I don't know. You believe? I believe, I believe they're being more sincere than the people that I, I know already. My sister has to give me a thumbs up, you know. If she can, I'll tell dad. But for somebody who doesn't know me, taking it, taking time out of their, you know, they don't have to come up and tell me anything they don't want, you know. Do you come from a musical family? No. Nobody in my family has, like, a creative drive like I do. Okay. Like, like I write scripts. I draw. I paint. I play guitar. My sister knits. Hey, crocheting hey, is a thing, that, man. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not a certain creativity to it, but... Yeah, mom, dad, nobody. How they met is kind of funny. My mom's a nurse. Uh, she was a nurse at the VA hospital in Montrose. And my dad, he's a, a vet. He was in the Air Force. And he, he was at the VA hospital when he met my mom. And it sounded like to me that he was injured. He was in the hospital. Um, turns out he was just a janitor there. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And, and that's how they met at, at the VA hospital. Um, so my dad was a janitor. Now he's not. I think now he's a custodian. 
they call it. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I have, no okay. I have no idea what he does. You have no idea what your dad. Does. Not really. I know he works with <laughs> mentally challenged people mm-hmm. in a home oh. setting. That's all I know. When's the last also time you saw? It's a very giving job. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time I saw him? Yeah. Uh, he was at the he uh, was at the show, the Brooklyn Fi- not the Beacon one. He came down to Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Firefly, the my album release show. Do your parents come to the city often to see you perform? No, they come down to see my nieces and nephew or niece and nephew pretty often. They like come down and babysit and whatnot. And Got it. If, if they, you know, it just so happened I was playing a show. Bonus. Yeah. He cried four times, I think, during the set. Oh. Yeah. He even came up during, like, I played a song that I dedicated to my sister, who I call my sister Kaka. Her name is Jessica. And her nickname is Kaka. And my other sister. What? Isn't Kaka poop in Spanish? Uh, I think it's just poop anywhere. I don't know if it's just okay. specifically a Spanish-speaking country that would identify that as poop. I think caca is just pretty well known I think, as poop. I think if you say caca in Germany, they'll like they'll they'll understand. And my my other sister Jean is wiener, which wiener and caca, wiener and caca. So what, what were you then? Wiener. Jimmy, you were just Jimmy. Yeah, I didn't get. I think oh. yeah, I I got gypped. Were you in the middle? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. Okay. So I I dedicated a song to my sister. I, I wrote a song uh, about her and I, kind of like commiserating about our lives and my dad misheard it and he thought i said papa or something because he came up in tears after the song and then started hugging me and i thought that was kind of weird but maybe he thought it, he was just happy that i wrote a song for my sister mm-hmm. but uh no he just misheard me oh my god yeah and like in the song i even say something about nursing a newborn which i don't know how my dad would relate to that yeah when did you pick up a guitar for the first time uh 22 21, 22. something like that. Yeah, yeah, 22. Because um, so I, I always sang in bands. You always sang, never played an instrument. Nope. You were always in this position of being the lead person in mm-hmm. the group. Yeah. Started in my family. I was always the like the center of attention ham of a kid. The like, youngest? Purposely falling down the stairs and like, you know, yeah, just needing attention all the time. What was the time that you remember where you were called out for being too much of an attention whore as a kid if that's the right way to put it um, yeah that's a perfect way to put it um, <laughs> i was doing front flips off of the uh back banister of a porch into a pool and this guy he just goes like what is he stunt kid or something and that was like a nickname growing up that was stunt kid or stunt boy we get it kid you're gonna break a bone stop you know how many bones did you break before you realized that you probably should stop i've broken so many bones dude Wow. Yeah, I've broken both my pinkies. I've broken my ankle. I've cracked open my skull a bunch of times. I have missing fingertips on my right hand. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Well, you know, not a lot of people stare at your hand, hello. (laughs) We don't don't go very far back, you and I. Wow, Um, that is very impressive, sir. So, yeah, but my mom being a nurse, she was a nurse at the hospital that, that in the town that I lived in. So yeah. she kind of just, like, had her room on reserve for me. At least seven or eight visits to the emergency room by the time I was, like, four. Goodness gracious. Yeah. No, I've only been to an emergency room once when I was very, very, very young. Yeah. Also, have you been to the emergency room a lot, Allison? I, I've only really been once. A couple times. As a youngster or as an adult? Well, I fell off a stage when I was like three and cracked open the back of my head. That was my first experience in the hospital. That's the worst. 
But I'm fine now. I mean, I'm crazy. Yeah. But I'm fine. When I was six months old, I was in a high chair sitting at a table with my parents, and I was rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth, and I fell back and hit the back of my head, and I was whisked off to the hospital, and I don't know if that episode, of which was obviously the scariest thing that any parent would ever have to go through at the time was the reason why I, I may be a little cloudy at times. It boggles my mind. Like, it's really fascinating to see, like, how certain actions that occur, they are the direct reason why certain things happen to you mentally, emotionally, physically later on, be it help or are hindering. I would say that that might have been one of the components that added to the ADD elements of my upbringing. And, uh, well, there you go. We, well, for you too, evidently, you know, because when by the time you were three, and then that happens, I'm not sure if there's a direct correlation to, uh, or if it's just genetics. There, there's a direct correlation to head injuries and serial killers. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, it, that's one of the. <laughs> oh, good. They, they call it the uh, the McDonald's triad. Okay. Which is different from the McDonald's triad, which is just a hamburger shake and fries. But, mm-hmm. um, this it's uh, bedwetting, animal torture, and head injuries. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That, this is, how did you learn that? That's crazy. I never knew about this. I, Are you watching all the CSI episodes that my wife is as well? No, no, I don't do that. But uh, none I of that do, crime procedurals. In, in my bag, I do have a birthday card from my girlfriend that has a picture of Ted Bundy on it. Wow. And yeah, so I'm fascinated by serial killers. I, what, <laughs> I, what, I, I learn. I you know <laughs> learn what I can about them. What is fascinating about serial killers? To you? It's the most extreme behavior. Like, what's not fascinating about it? It's so... It's so fast. It, I love it. Yeah, right. Who's your favorite serial killer? Have you heard of The Family? It was an Australian cult. No. Oh, so I've been listening to... I mean, I started by having this gate, and I've been listening to this whole podcast just called Cults. Okay. It's like a triangle with a hand in the middle. You should definitely... The way that they lay the podcast out, the hosts kind of annoy me, but the stories are fascinating. And this one cult leader, it wasn't the family, I forget what the name is, was it, was it, uh, it, like, basically slaughtered the people who followed him, and, like, these people still didn't leave. Like, he would, like, sever limbs. Yeah. And they still, like, would, like, all hail. But also, I just love Manson, because he wasn't actually, a, like, he didn't actually, you know, no, have yeah. to lay a hand he, on he anyone. Just... He was able to have some serious mind control. Yeah, all those, uh-huh. the Jim Joneses, the L. Ron Hubbards, how they, oh, yeah. how they hey, control people like yeah, that. Yeah, careful how you use L. Ron Hubbard, man. I mean, I agree with you, but it's really impressive how we can normalize someone like L. Ron Hubbard and, and just, you know, it's batshit crazy stuff, but, you know, Scientology is a thing that, like, tries to combat any criticism as an enemy statement or something. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was in Sweden a couple of years ago and this dude comes up to me and he's just like, can I ask you a question? And I was like, sure. Friendly guy. <laughs> and he's just like, what is the difference between your brain and your mind? And I was like, I don't know. Oh. What, what is the difference between my brain and my mind? And then I start to like explain what I think. And then he asks a few more follow-up questions. And the girl I was with at the time just goes like, you realize he, he's talking about Dianetics and he's a Scientologist and he's trying to like recruit you right now. And I got like 10 minutes oh. in the conversation and I was like, oh shit. All right, buddy, I got to go. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, susceptible, yeah. I guess, to these ideas. So that's impressive. Yeah. In Sweden, no less, mm-hmm. being, being courted by a Scientologist. 
I guess that that is very interesting to know that when you are so firm in your beliefs that you want to get people on board with you. Because I have a neighbor who is a Jehovah's Witness, and I hear not a lick from her. No. Because sometimes people allow their beliefs as strong and against the grain, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, as they could be. They don't have to be preaching that and you know trying to spread that gospel. They just keep it to themselves. Yeah. I, I th- Why can't Scientology be that? I think that they're they're really nice people too. They really are. They're like any Jehovah's Witness I've ever met, they're absolute sweethearts. Yeah, and it's funny because they used to freak the fuck out of me as a kid growing up. Oh, I'm sure. Because knock, knock, knock. They hey, would come up to your door. What's up? Yeah, and they'd like pull up in a black car. They'd be wearing black suits and whatnot. And like, I know my parents' like financial history isn't great, and like maybe there was some tax evasion going on or something. Mm. But like, I when they came to the door, I was like, is this it? Like. Is this when dad gets carted off? Like, do I have to shred anything? Flush anything? (laughs) They freaked me the fuck out growing up. So serial killers fascinate you. Jehovah's Jehovah's Witnesses Witnesses. freak you out. Absolutely. (laughs) What makes you really happy? What gives you joy? What Like, just genuine joy. Genuine, uh, The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yeah, drinking drinking tea on my couch. Um, I I start off every single day watching a Simpsons episode and drinking tea on the couch. That's a really... Good you way sh- to start the day. Yeah. Today I watched Lisa the Iconoclast. It's about Lisa discovering that Jebediah Springfield was actually Hans Springfield. I loved that episode. Yeah. I that, that's like that's like a, within the first like seven, eight seasons. It's isn't season it? seven. Yeah. Disc two. My <laughs> my my ritual uh involving the Simpsons has been some somewhat different. I've been kind of falling down the rabbit hole of memes. Are you familiar with the uh steamed hams meme that's around right now? I I mean I know we're steamed hams yeah yeah i know the reference so allison are you familiar with this at all i'm i'm familiar with it but i'm not familiar with the meme okay so in the what was it short stories about springfield i think it was yeah yeah 22 short 22 short stories about springfield there's a uh segment with superintendent chalmers and principal skinner and they are at principal skinner's house for an unforgettable luncheon yeah the script, I don't know when this happened, but apparently the script reached this insane level of meme that has been going on for 10 years. But as of late, I think maybe over the last like year or two, maybe even longer, there have been folks who have been on YouTube who have been doing these steamed hams, except it's done as a Seinfeld episode. Steamed hams, except it's um, yeah. you know, it's Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, like, yeah. There's all these different like ways of approaching the episode and turning it upside down i don't know who the fuck has time for that oh my god the creativity is spellbinding <laughs> but I, uh, but the time commitment to that kind of yeah creation is even more miraculous yeah i i don't know i wouldn't that, even know how to begin like making a meme i don't know no my, my girlfriend has to help me with everything on the computer she's very she, technically proficient she, yeah yeah she has her you should check out her uh, her jewelry company it's called the roving um she you know lives in manhattan and makes her own jewelry and uh, she has like a you know her website, her Etsy page, and whatnot. She had to help help me put my album on Bandcamp. I was painting, and she did that. That's how cool of a girlfriend I have. That she's, is really cool. She's cool. just like, no, 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 just go, 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 paint pictures. I'll you know I'll do this for you. Let me know what order or whatever. Have you ever been with somebody before who was supportive and uh, even so much as collaborative with uh, your process as a musician? No, no, and I never really would think to ask to do it it's just i don't have to with my girlfriend now she helped me 
designed the album cover. She helped me take like photos for Instagram. She like taught me how to Instagram really. I, you know, I just, I don't get it. It frustrates me. I don't like social media. So I, when he was like, find it frustrating, I was like, I understand. Yeah. If I could hire somebody <laughs> to handle all of that shit for me, I uh, absolutely don't. Right, you, everybody in who is taught in this, on this show right now, I think would agree with you. I mean, yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't, I don't want to do anything other than write my songs. I don't play them. Well, just like, if you had told me in college, you know, because I was studied like theater and maybe a bunch of comedy and stuff, that, you know, auditions would be me now just keeping myself in a whatever I can concoct. You know, like uh, people pay to have someone do their self tape. The whole purpose of me going on auditions is to see if we like get along mm-hmm. and like vibe well. And if like I, you want me to reread a part like three or four different times, try something different. I'm like, doesn't make any sense. And people always ask, like, what's my Twitter handle or my Instagram? I'm like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing with (laughs) me, guys. Honestly, I don't have an Instagram. I don't really know if I want to start an Instagram uh, for me. Whether or not uh, I do, in fact, start an Instagram for the hedgehog that I own, it's a whole other story. Really? Yeah. (laughs) My family had a raccoon growing up. What? Yeah. Crazy sneakers, sneakers the raccoon. Yeah. Sneakers. Love it. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you a picture afterwards. Fiona is a albino hedgehog, and uh, Allison and Jimmy, I think, have both met her before. I brought her to the yeah, studio. I took a bus ride with her. So what do you what do you brag about? What? That's Instagram is oh that's, just, it's I'm, just I'm, that's bragging. It's just here's the cool thing that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing. Like I have yeah. a Twitter that I I use sparingly. We use the, the Twitter for Lost and Rewound. I have my Facebook, which has been pretty much the predominant component of my social media yeah. uh, inclusions. But with Instagram, I just I feel like there's a lot more of an allure for what you're not seeing. Yeah, isn't there? That's there's such a small victory in that too. Mm-hmm. Of just like, yeah, you know yeah. what? This moment is just for me. It's just for me, and it's so wonderful yeah. that way. But no one does. No one does that anymore, though. So we don't no longer have these moments. Where, like nothing. Like everything is always on display. Right. Well, so nothing seems like sacred. A couple Fourth of Julys ago, I didn't take out my phone at all. I didn't good Snapchat anything. Yeah. I didn't. I just watched the fireworks. And all you saw below, it was like uh, that scene in, in Harry Potter when uh, Dumbledore dies and they uh, all hold up their wands and all the lights are coming yeah. out from it. Yeah. That's what they were doing. They were holding up their hands with their cell phones. I get why and. I'm not saying I'm holier than now because I didn't do it, you know, next 4th of July, I think I did. But that one, I didn't. I need to just be in the moment and enjoy this. We uh, really appreciate you saying that because being in the moment, especially now where we're so tied to social media and technology as a way to document that, it's really important to be able to step back and think to yourself, is this a moment that I want to share or is this a moment that I want only for myself? And right. sometimes I think we blur that line and think that everything has to be shared. As a guy who has been yeah. happy to put out all of his audio from his yesteryears and share that, it's only as a way to say that this is how we used to share our moments. Yeah, We didn't. We and did you, it with ourselves. You said you had ADD too, right? I, well, I still do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I still have parents. I still have ADD. Yeah, I have it, too. Staying in the moment, I can't stop my brain from wandering yeah. ever. It's just, it's nonstop. Social media just, it it's it placates it. It's yeah. so easy. Like, it just a little, like, it's not even just the Instagram pictures now. There's the stories that are even oh, just yeah. like, you know, it's like a little mini Snapchat thing yeah. above. And I click it all the time. Yeah. Like, I, there's one it's girl. An that, yeah, there's one girl that I know. She's a Bart. Like, I I know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a picture of her handlebars with the temperature on it. 
like a video of it. Like that's it. That's all. I know that. And then like her cat, and that's it. And I click on it every fucking time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just I gotta <laughs> I gotta watch more Simpsons and just throw my phone to the other couch. Yeah. <laughs> This is really fascinating, man. I'm I'm really glad that we're connecting on this level because, uh, again, like what we strive for is to learn more about you know who we were as people before we were avatars. Yeah, I think now that's all we really feel like we can be and live up to, and there's more to that. So it's bringing it back to that essence. You have your guitar in the studio, and I think it would be a true testament to showing just who you are by playing some music for our audience. I sing very loud, so I don't want to, like, blow out the mics. That Hey, that's what I'm here for. Don't um, worry about it. So is there if I just, like, stand up over here and sing it? Because yeah, if I sing rum, it right here, it's going to blow all your ears out. Rumshug did the same thing the other week. Yeah, dude. The song I'm going to play is called Window Pain, and it's not on my album that's out right now. I just recorded it for my debut full length that's going to be out, hopefully, uh, in, like, the summertime. Awesome. So not on the one that's on Bandcamp right now, but some exclusive, exclusive. Here we are with James Caranchio here on Lost and Rewound. I'm curious what the impetus for that song was. It's pretty much about killing yourself, or if you want to look at it more positively, the whole shedding new skin sort of thing. I'll go with that one. Yeah, it seems like it's a little more uplifting. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's about you know being reborn in a way. And um, that's what you've been doing lately, anyway. Yeah, you 
and coming out of a of a really really dark place, which I was in for a while, and I'm not anymore. And that song's kind of just about that. Just you know, the chorus is "Time to the tracks and don't you look back. Just listen for the sounds of the train. Just like that's your old life. Just leave it there and move forward. Like, yeah, it's always oh. going to be there, and that's the sound of the train. Your your past is always there, but you gotta pick up the pieces, move on. When we come back, we will dive into a little bit of the past of which James is so uh, deriding, is evidently. Yeah. No, <laughs> we're going to listen to a little bit of past James Caranchio uh, and uh, maybe get some more insight about the kind of shedding new skin that we just heard about. This is Lost in Rewound. I'm right over here, brother. is again the one-stop shop for all your old audio from the yesteryears and if you want to contribute oh <laughs> no what? Jimmy's not here so you have to do it I have to double time with the, with the accent oh wait this- can I talk like this yeah Jimmy Hoffman in studio sorry guys I was late I was riding a turtle here <laughs> Don't know why I the turtle. I just saw him and I thought, shells, yeah. Oh, Hoffman, you are on notice right now. This gentleman here is doing much better work oh. at, than I'll ever do. At yeah. you. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. So if you want <laughs> to contribute to Lost and Rewound, you can go to Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and play us and send us your old tapes. Yeah, he says everything like it's a summer blockbuster coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's like my sandwich is not gonna have pickles, but what it's gonna have is other types of pickles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm having fun. We could do this all day, but we do not have time <laughs> yeah, for that. Sorry. What we do have time for is a few tracks of which you, James, have contributed. How old is this first clip? And this is from high school. Yeah, I was uh, junior year high school. You weren't playing music, but you were the front man for a grindcore band. I've always, you mentioned this earlier. I've always yes. been. I've always been the least talented member of all my bands. That's hey, all my. You, that's. I mean, I never was a member of a band, but that's how I would have thought yeah. of myself. No, I, all the musicians I played with were incredibly talented in what they did. Is there anything we need to know about the lyrics in this? Since grindcore doesn't normally really let us hear what's being said. Um, I forget if this i think this is the song about my oldest sister and how i didn't want her to marry the dude that she was with and she didn't end up marrying him but <laughs> yeah i didn't put him on blast right now. Um, yeah shall we get into it oh sure okay yeah. let's break it out
Alrighty. Very different than uh, what we just heard you play live. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you still have that growl? I still sing with like a little bit of uh, grit mm. every now and again. You definitely do. Yeah, for sure. You do growl. Um, yeah. And I did all the high and the low growls. That like, oh, that little thing. <laughs> and that, that wasn't the song about my sister, actually. That was the song about my ex-girlfriend when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. Plus why there wasn't many ly- much lyrics in there? Or uh, The only lyrics I can pull out from memory there was, you are my Waterloo, my charcoal lipstick. That's okay. That's all I can. All right. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, if you, had, you were a guy or girl with like dyed black hair and spiky belts, you would have liked that song. How did James Cronshaw look presentation wise when this song came exactly out? Exactly how I just described. All right. Um, yeah, probably not with black hair, but l- like long mop top girls jeans because they didn't make skinny jeans for guys. Mm-hmm. Whatever band t-shirt, whether it was like the Sawtooth Grin or Pig Destroyer or whatever. Did you play a lot of shows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played a lot. Besides the fact that you and I both come from the same area code. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you ever went to, if not played at, a venue in Poughkeepsie called The Chance? Of course. Well, we didn't play The Chance, but we played Club Cranel. Club Cranel. Yep. That's right, which is right connected into The Chance. Yeah, yeah. We, so, pl- we played there like two or three times. I wasn't into hardcore, but yep. I was into my friends. You were into your friends. Band. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's so crazy, though. So there was they had so many shows like that, though. Yeah. And that was a community. It was a, it was a fun scene. That dude, Zach, that I was telling you about uh, coming up to the show in Beacon, that's how I met him. My band before this, we were called TJ Laser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like an outlet. Yeah, he came He came to a, a TJ Laser show at the Croton Church uh, when we were wow. like 15 years old. And, and it was a community center type of deal. So yeah, you guys... and it was like hundreds of people. It was a huge scene where I grew up. It, yeah. was, it was in Westchester. There was Yorktown... Croton, Buchanan, which is also like Montrose area, mm-hmm. Carmel, Dover, those aren't Westchester, but all these towns had bored kids that weren't doing much else except just playing music and hanging out. Look at Woodstock. I mean, Coheed and Cambria was basically sure. birthed out of Woodstock. Yeah. The guys from Shibuti. I, mean, I, I saw the first Coheed and Cambria show uh, was at this, it was called Mullet Fest. <laughs> and Wait, my, really? My, yeah, my friend's bands played. I didn't know this. Yeah, my friend's bands played with them i took a picture with claudio that yeah. night because i was like 16 and shibuti was my favorite band and then shibuti. yeah and then they turned into coding camera they That's... kept it in track three off the first coed record he goes like hey shibuti <laughs> and then he go, they play into the song i think it's devil in jersey city is the name of the That's song wild yes yeah. so all so we do have a lot of uh, mutual acquaintances I'm we sure probably do world. i mean i I think I went to one Shibuti show when they were like opening up for Pitchfork Militia. Yeah. Um, but like again, like this is such like old, very, very local music history yeah, that yeah. I it's was all Kingston I, and Nyack. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. The the that's how Claudio got connected because yeah. he was through Nyack. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was Kingston and Woodstock. Yeah. Again, like I only knew of the bands. I didn't know anybody personally, but mm-hmm. It's pretty wild that uh, and even to the extension of the Hudson Valley going even into areas of Poughkeepsie, uh, Beacon, Carmel, even even going into Westchester, how deep that scene just sort of leaks into other uh, counties. Yeah, yeah, there's a bleed. Let's get on to the next track, and it's yeah. called Living in the 1400, right? Living, Living in the 1400 would, would suck. And then Why I would it suck? No roller coasters. No roller coasters? Oh. Yeah, that's the end of the title, I believe. I think it's 
dot 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 no roller coaster. Oh, it didn't show up on here there. Yeah. No, it did not. You know yeah. what's crazy is I went to have breakfast on myself the other day and this woman sat next to me and she pulled out this little jar that was at the register and it was said just conversation starters on it and she pulled out a piece of paper and she was like, I don't mean to bother you, but would you rather go five hundred years in the past or five hundred years in the future? Hmm. Uh, we actually she came to my open mic last night and or, uh, and it was super cool, but just the title of that song made me think of that interaction I had with the stranger. Yesterday. Okay, yeah, I would, I would not want to go in either direction. Neither would I. Yeah. I, I didn't either. I hate I. that question, like the the time travel question. Time travel. Sucks. I do have an answer, but I hate the question, and that's I would go to the Harlem Square Club in 1963 when Sam Cooke performed there. That's a that's it. Oh. That's how I'd that's spend, I'd spend one day in Harlem in 1963 and just see Sam Cooke live, and then fuck off back to the, back to the present. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. but the title of that song came from we were at Six Flags and we heard a girl say that. <laughs> yeah, she was like all full of adrenaline from just getting off the roller coaster, and she just chose fourteen hundred as when it would suck to live because there's no roller coaster. So who? When did this song come out, and who did this? Uh, uh, it was a band called Plague the Inventor. I was. In senior year of high school, when we started this project, and I think I was uh, 19 or 20 when we recorded this, three out of these four dudes are still my best friends in the world. So awesome. that I miss so much about the smaller music community and not living in New York City where everybody has their own hustle.
this song is fading out. Man, what song fades out anymore? It's uh, I. It's one of my least favorite things in music. Is a fade out ending song. Is a fade out ending song. Yep. I I think it's a cop out. Have an ending to that song. That's how all pop music is, though. And though es- now. especially in the in like the fifties and sixties, yeah. pop and rock. Just, Everything just ends. Yep, hit the road jack, sit in the dock of the bay. Yeah, yeah, all these amazing songs have no ending. So why did you fade out that song? I didn't decide that. You didn't decide that. <laughs> no. But if you had the call, you would not have. Yeah, I think it, that. Yeah, it would have been a strong ending. Yep, it's a little punch out. Okay. Then who made the decision there to end it like that, and why do you suppose that decision was enforced? I think it was probably Chris, the bass player. We recorded it at his, uh, his apartment or his house, so he probably decided that. Or maybe they all did as we were just writing it. I don't know. We've never played that song live. We That was our last song that we wrote, and we recorded it, but we never got to play it out. Never. So, so I mean, like, shame. Could, could you imagine if, like, we just slowly stopped playing the song? Like, how shitty and weird that would feel? Oh, the look sound awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that band, I have a bunch of our old recordings. I think that if I wasn't the lead singer, that would be my favorite band of all time. It was just, like, heavy, fun rock. Yeah. Like, our band and another band, we kind of had this thing of... The signatures were not 4-4. Four, four. It was just a little... No, yeah. It, the, the timings are fucking weird. Yeah. It's super heavy and super riffy. There's like eight or nine parts to the song, so it's not verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, yeah. chorus, out. Kind of like a Rush style sort of thing, if anything. Yeah. I and mean, we it was also kind of like grindcore. We kept the format of just like craziness mm. to it. And, yeah. uh it's just it was the if they wanted to get back together today, I would stop what I was doing. I would stop Man Made Hills to, be, oh, wow. to, to, to do this. That's how much fun this band was. Thoughts went into your head listening to that, Allison. I can hear general. I can hear like the beat and like the emotion through it. Words I can't really hear that well. From I couldn't really hear lyrics that much either, to be honest yeah. with you. But okay, cool. that's but that's I think the um, point is that everything's all sort of on equal. Uh, level balance i suppose right i think i was also using big words that i would never use in a sentence because i was really into like the mars volta and stuff like that that's who i'm thinking of i was like i was trying to think of who that (laughs) sounded a lot like and if jimmy was here he would be like that sounds a lot like mars volta yeah i used to um you know uh, and then, what? Oh, and then yeah? write lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> you're like motioning your. <laughs> I motion two fingers together and I put them t- towards my mouth. Take of that what you will. Yes. And... All right. <laughs> you 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 liked to chew on pretzels. I was it. eating olives, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after I was done eating olives, I would go and I would write lyrics yeah. all, like all day. And uh, yeah, they were they were they were pretty bad for the most part. How did your band receive them? They loved them. Yeah, we had a, we had a song called Haddonfield, nineteen seventy eight, that was about the movie Halloween, um, and I for three days straight, all I did was eat olives and watch that movie and write <laughs> write lyrics. <laughs> all right, every, I'm just gonna call it eating olives from yeah. here on in. That's perfect. I think I perfect, because you know eating olives is very disgusting and it's really bad for you. It is, and, and it's, you should it's not despicable. do it. You should not do nope. it that much, nope. and it totally kills my drive and motivation. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> we have time for one more track before we get out of here. It's called Concrete Nature, and this is also... Sorry, there were, 
Remind me the name of the band. I'm, I, um, I, I lost this, it. This is when I'm Lady Nashville and the Nightmares. It's okay. a solo thing. I bought a, a recording setup from my room in my dad's apartment. So that's all I did for okay. years. So we went from the grindcore band called uh, Practice, Pract- Bravado. Practice Bravado. And then the second group was called Plague the Inventor. Plague the Inventor. Mm-hmm. And then Lady Nashville and the, the Nightmares. Nightmares. These yeah. are all band names you came up with. I came up with. Plague the Inventor and Lady Nashville and the Nightmares. I didn't come up with Practice Bravado. That came from uh, the guitarist who got it from Max Payne, the oh, video game. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's a deep cut. I think I've gotten a, amongst my friends a good reputation for coming up with fake names. My friends were filming a skit and they needed a, 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 a director's name. And I came up with Sydney, Australia. Because places' <laughs> names are very funny. Um, and then they needed, a, they were like, we need a name for like a Harrison Ford type character. And I said, well, how about Henderson Chrysler? <laughs> that's, oh, that's a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. My, I've been, uh, I, I love like you're able to like just think of these. So, but yeah, I imagine these must be somewhat premeditated or do you just come up with them on the spot? I was on the spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, yeah. Amazing. When I eat out and they ask for a name, I sometimes I respond with uh, Rusty Davenport. That's a, that is a name of somebody. Though. It has to be right. I feel like Rusty I know a kid Davenport. Named, <laughs> dude, I grew up with Rusty. What are you doing? Using his name a around kid town? Named Russell Davenport. Okay, <laughs> swear to God, he yeah. went to Rondo. To be eating olives, naming things. That's <laughs> if I can get a job like in the back of a deli doing that, <laughs> I would do it. Everybody should be able to eat as much olives as they can. Yeah, <laughs> legalize eating olives. It's not. A, it's not habit forming. <laughs> no, it is not. No. I love olives. Yeah. Concrete nature. What's the nature of concrete nature? It has a piano part in it that I wrote because I started playing all these different instruments. To like, you were playing piano too. Yeah, sweet. It's like the number one thing I'm pr- proud of in this era of like the hundred songs that I wrote and recorded in my room. It goes like do 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 do, and there's a little piano part that goes do 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 do. That's it. That I thought was just like the coolest thing I've ever written. Um, but I think this song is just about living with my dad. Let's take a listen to Concrete Nature by Lady Nashville and the Nightmares. <sighs> Yeah. 
gorgeous, gorgeous song there, sir. Oh, there was some very nice instrumentation there, and you were starting to play instruments at this time. Yeah, I first started playing guitar and writing my own songs because all my buddies moved away to you know school and whatnot, and I was left to just just singing. So I went and bought myself an acoustic guitar. I think it was 21 or 22. It was right around there. I think the song that we just played, uh, I think I was around 25 when oh, I wrote that. okay. But I started okay. playing and writing my own songs around 22. Got it. I didn't learn how to write a song until way after this stuff. Like, I knew how to play the guitar and I knew how to sing a melody, but I didn't know how to, like, write a song. Well, that was the song. It was. So you clearly, by accident, yeah. <laughs> made, a, made a song. But a lot of the songs, I just, like made up my own chords and just like didn't know any theory like i didn't yeah. i didn't understand like you know like the one four five chord structure and like tension and resolve you know i just didn't i just didn't know it until i started playing kids music for, for the preschoolers you work in a daycare you were and you play music at a daycare center um, or is that or what's the best way to put it it's an enrichment center yeah that we have like gym classes for, like for adult participation and stuff like science classes math dance and there's three different preschool classes running in the building at the same time would you have ever thought that you would have been doing that it's the only thing i thought i ever could do is really is teach preschool yeah one of the kids in my preschool class now did listen to my record that came out yeah their mom was told about it by my boss my boss tells one of my students moms and this little girl comes in the next day and she's like me and my brother listened to your record and i was like oh really and she's like yeah we listened to your songs you were singing them i was like that's awesome <laughs> thanks that's, oh, that's awesome. that is awesome yeah probably one of the sweetest gestures even more than a stranger coming up to you at your show is one of your kids saying you know i really like what you're doing because it, it shows to an even double effect that you're being appreciated for not just what you're teaching in the classroom, but what you're doing outside of the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Two songs off the record were directly inspired by the kids. There's a song called Monsters. Um, and the chorus is, I can't take my eyes off of these monsters, which I texted to a friend of mine who was like, we were having a conversation during the day about what we were going to do later that evening. And I was like, all right, dude, well, I can't really talk right now. I can't take my eyes off these monsters. Referring to the kids. <laughs> and then... Uh, there's a song called Violet on there. I had a little girl named Violet who, the second you handed anything out to the kids, would just go, me, my turn, me, my turn. And I would always say, Violet, we got to wait. And that became a line. I just started singing, Violet, we got to wait. And I turned that into a song. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Yeah. So those two songs you could hear on the album called Aimless Wind, which you can buy on Bandcamp, in your best oh, Jimmy Hoffman voice, uh, do a little plug-in for uh, where people can find you uh, on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Manmade Hills. You can also find me on Facebook at Manmade Hills. You can also find me at my apartment just chilling on the couch. Eating olives. <laughs> Eating olives. Can I, uh, can I plug a, a show that I'm playing soon? Please do. It's uh, April 30th at Cowgirl Seahorse. Sweet. If you want to know more information about that, follow your boy over on Instagram and all of the social medias. Again, that's manmadehills.bandcamp.com. And uh, that's it for us here on this week of Lost and Rewound. Feel free to reach out to us via email at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're on uh, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and as well as iTunes. Yeah. Yeah?
was like, it's my only contribution to the end of that. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. Thanks so much to you, Allison, for calling in again. Uh, my name is Alon. Oh my God. Thanks. My name is Allison. And thanks so much for James Caroncio for joining here yeah, uh, with us this week. Yeah, you're great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll see you all yeah, next week. You'll hear us all next week on Lost and Rewound. Skeleton ran out of shampoo in the shower. Say what now? The human torch was denied a bank loan. These are the best sound checks ever. One more. Uh, the, the gerbil did not know Spanish in time for the test. <laughs>